You are listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White and today's episode is called Self-Discipline Without Guilt. My Habitology members and I are studying self-discipline this month and I figured that it would be useful to talk about guilt as part of that. If you haven't listened already, go back to podcast number 68, Cultivating Self-Discipline and Self-Regulation for some bigger picture info on the topic. But here's a quick recap. Self-discipline is pretty much defined as resisting an urge in the moment. It's resisting the urge to eat the donut that you just smelled in the shopping centre. It's resisting the urge to skip your exercise session. It's resisting the urge to stay back late at work when you know that your family's waiting for you. Thinking of these examples, it's easy to see how someone could make themselves feel guilty because they've given in to an urge. And I see this in a lot of my coaching clients. They say, oh, I smelt this donut and it smelt so good and I just had to have it and then I felt guilty. Or I said I'd drink six litres of water this week in total and I only did three and I feel guilty. Or I said I'd go to the gym four times and I only did two and so I feel guilty. And that's why I wanted to do this episode because we can actually develop self-discipline without guilt and I want to talk to you about the skills that you need to develop so that you can do that. I think there are probably two main reasons that people do beat themselves up and feel guilty about those sorts of lapses. Firstly I think we have trained ourselves to punish failure rather than to learn it from it. We're told that failure is bad and that it's something to feel guilty about and have remorse around. So it's an old thinking pattern that really does need to change. Secondly, I think that a lot of us have really high expectations for ourselves and so because of that we have this sense of guilt if we're not able to live up to those expectations. In other words, your rational mind is telling you that you should be able to do something and therefore if you don't do it, you're not good enough or you're a failure of some sort. So let's have this really important conversation about understanding guilt so that you can create self-discipline without guilt. I want to start with the question, what is guilt? It's a negative emotion and it might seem like it doesn't have a purpose, but it does. It's just that we can take things a little far. Guilt is actually a feeling that you create in your own mind with your own thought patterns when you do something that's not aligned with your values. So in the example of eating the donut, maybe your values are that you really want to be healthy and eat healthily. And when you give in to the donut, you therefore feel guilty because it's not the person that you want to be. It's not who you are. It's important to recognize that we create guilt with our own thoughts. It's your brain that's doing that. And therefore, you can also get rid of guilt with your own thoughts too. And I'm going to talk more about that later. Guilt is the sense that you've done something bad or wrong against someone else or against your own moral code. And of course when we feel like we've done something bad or wrong there's this sense of needing to be punished. If you think about it, guilt can actually be helpful. It's designed to help us to act with integrity in line with our moral compass but a lot of us take it too far and to our own detriment. Here's an example. 
Let's say you plan to go to the gym three times this week and you wanted to be really self-disciplined and do those sessions. But a couple of things out of your control got in the way and you were only able to do one of those three sessions. Would you admonish, admonish yourself and make yourself feel guilty about that? Would you become self-critical? Would you challenge your own capacity to take action or your worthiness? If you answered yes to those questions or those types of questions, then you may be an overly guilty person. It may be that you've been unreasonable with yourself. And notice that it's your own thought patterns creating that sense of guilt, that criticism, that judgment. There are two things that I want to say about guilt before we go any further. The first thing, and I think the most important thing, is that guilt cannot change the past. It cannot change the past. Once you have said or done something, or not said or done something, you can't take it back. It's over. It's gone. You cannot change it. Guilt cannot change the past. So in some sense, you could say that guilt is really unhelpful, that doesn't actually have a purpose. The second part of that is that guilt doesn't make you feel good. I don't know anybody that enjoys feeling guilty. And some people say, well, when I feel guilty, it, then I go off and do the thing that I should have done. But let me just say this, guilt is not enjoyable and it actually might decrease your self-discipline in the long term. How? Well, because negative self-talk, that inner critic, that inner voice, weakens your self-confidence, your resolve, your belief in yourself and your motivation over time. So being guilty to make yourself do something ends up being counterproductive. So what I want to offer is that guilt is unhelpful a lot of the time and it can sabotage your attempts to build self-discipline. So it's really important that you understand that self-discipline is its own standalone thing and it's up to you as to whether or not you attach guilt to it and the guilt is going to be pretty unhelpful in the majority of cases. Obviously guilt has a place if you're doing something illegal or immoral or that's harmful to other people. It's there as a protective mechanism to stop you from doing those things. But there is a different way to go when it comes to self-discipline. So let's talk about how to be guilt-free and self-disciplined. Both of those things, being guilt-free and being self-disciplined, require you to manage your thoughts and your feelings. So the primary skills that you need to learn if you want to be guilt-free and self-disciplined are the skills of managing your thinking patterns, your feelings and your actions. It's internal work. You could think of it as much like driving a car or playing the piano or any other skill. It's going to take some time and practice and patient patience. You're going to need to set some time aside to use your brain in a different way, to create different thoughts and to create a process that helps you to keep taking action and to make peace with failure. And I want to talk to you about the skills of both being guilt-free and self-disciplined. Let's start with the skills of being guilt-free. 
Firstly, we, we must recognize that guilt is an emotion that keeps you in check with your values and morals and ethics. I've said that before, but I just want to restate that. So when I'm talking about being guilt free or reducing guilt in this podcast, I'm specifically talking about excessive unhelpful guilt that sabotages your ability to change. I'm not talking about the guilt that stops you from behaving inappropriately. I'm talking about the guilt that is not going to help you make change, the self-sabotaging kind. So if you want to learn to be less critical and judgmental of yourself and to create less guilt, there are some character skills and strengths that you can learn. I'm going to touch on them briefly now because they're almost a whole other podcast. But the best way to go about developing these skills is to pick one to start with and then to practice it as often as possible or maybe a couple of times a week at least. This means that you're going to need to make some time in your week to do some thinking about the skill or writing about it or speaking to a coach about it or actively practicing it. You'll have to dedicate some focus and time to it, some intention and some mindfulness. So here are the six skills that I think will help you to stop feeling guilty all the time. I think these skills are going to help you to be more rational and factual and less reactive and emotive. The first skill is empathy and this is a skill for yourself as someone learning how to do something differently. Bringing that empathy in that you're at the beginning of a learning curve, you've got a way to go and things might go wrong and that's okay. So empathy is the first skill for yourself. The second skill is self-awareness. So it's really tuning in to what you did or your behavior patterns or your thought patterns and being aware of those, noticing or thought watching or recording your actions. The third skill is closely related and it's mindfulness. But in this case, I'm talking about mindfulness of how you felt in that moment in your body and mind. Let's say you were tempted by the donut. Let's say that you were tempted to stay late at work when you didn't need to. How did you feel in that moment in your body and mind? So being self-aware that you had a feeling is the first part and then being mindful of how it felt in your body and mind is the second part because you're trying to understand the triggers for what you're doing or not doing. So that's the third skill, mindfulness. The fourth skill, once you've recognized how you felt in the moment, you need to learn how to reflect to think about how you interpreted what was going on and responded. When you smelled that donut, what was your interpretation of that smell? What was your body commanded to do? What were the sensations that came up? The next step or the next skill is to develop self-compassion and that's accepting without judgment what happened and to move on from any slip-ups. We are all human and we all suffer and we all make mistakes. And whether you did or didn't eat the donut, whether you did or didn't do the workout, you can bring self-compassion to your decision-making process. And the last point is actually learning to be better at decision-making. Once you have been through something that would normally trigger guilt, giving into a donut, not doing the workout, those sorts of things, it's important that you make a decision on what you will do next time and be really clear about that. What did you learn? What could you do differently? 
and how will you respond next time that happens. So those six skills of being guilt-free, empathy for yourself, self-awareness, mindfulness, reflection, self-compassion and decision-making will help you to step out of the emotive blame game and back into a factual process to start learning how to do things differently without guilt. So we're really trying to come back to facts here is the overarching message. Now what about the steps and skills for developing self-discipline? There are five things that you can do to develop self-discipline. The first is to define some realistic standards for the thing that you're trying to change. For example, maybe you're really excited about exercise and you think you're going to do five one-hour sessions this week, but in reality you're only going to be able to fit in three. If you have unrealistic standards or expect expectations, it's pretty much a recipe for failure and subsequently guilt. So you'll have to do some learning and some reflection on what can fit into your lifestyle realistically. As a coach, I just want to say that I notice this is the hardest step for a lot of people. To them it feels more logical or maybe easier to just set a goal around taking the action. But it's actually just as important to look at the big picture of what's possible. What you have scheduled already in your week, how your energy levels are, what else is going on for you. And it's the most important thing to increase your chance of successfully doing the steps or achieving the goals that you set out to achieve. Sure, maybe you want to do five exercise sessions this week, but your schedule is telling you that you're realistically only going to do three. You're way better off to define your standard as a minimum of three, and you can always beat that and you'll feel amazing, rather than aiming too high and not meeting it. Setting standards is something that you might do at the start of a year or perhaps every six months. It may help you to think of these standards as behavioural goals, that is, to define the thinking or doing habits that you would like to be doing regularly and to work with, with those as a starting point. The second skill to developing self-discipline is to discover your motivators and to use them to your advantage. Yes, that's a skill. <laughs> when you know what motivates you, you're more likely to take action and succeed. Here's an example. Let's say you have the time set aside to go to the gym and you get to that time but you don't feel motivated to go and you start trying to talk yourself out of doing the exercise. If you've thought about your motivators and you're clear on how good you're going to feel when you're 20% stronger or 5 kilos lighter and you have a strong vision of what difference that will make to you as a person or in your life, then those images and visualizations will help you to get there and do the workout regardless of how you're feeling in that moment. And so in terms of self-discipline, having that vision and those motivators and values in your mind are really, really powerful ways to help you take action in the moment. They're the thing that can tip you over into doing it versus not. So your, knowing your motivators is really critical for self-discipline. Skill or step number three is to use your strengths. Now you might be saying, I don't have any strengths, I, and I've heard many people say that. But all of us have character strengths, things that we're good at and that we enjoy doing or being. And when you know what your strengths are, then you can use them to help you maintain self-discipline. 
For example, let's say that you're a great planner. Then you can use that skill, that strength, to pick several exercise time slots in the week that you're most likely to be energized for going to the gym. Or if honesty is one of your strengths, then being very honest with yourself about the donut and whether it's good for you, the gym workout and whether it's worth going or working too late and what it would mean if you do or don't. Your honesty in those moments will probably help you to make healthier choices that you feel good about. And it's really empowering to use your strengths in that way. The next step is or skill is learning to say no or yes. This is another skill that people find difficult when it comes to self-discipline. Think of it this way, we all have responsibilities in our lives to ourselves and to other people. And the skill of saying no is a really important part of that. Consider this, it's a Tuesday afternoon and you're finishing work and you're on your way home and your mum calls on the car phone and says, hey, come around for a cup of tea. I haven't seen you in a while. I know you're on the way home from work, pop on in. But it happens to be the exact time slot that you're planning to go to the gym. Hmm, what do you do? Who do you say no to? Do you say no to your mum or to yourself in the gym workout? A lot of people feel guilty about letting other people down and that guilt can be greater than what they may feel around not doing their own personal habit. So the first thing I want to say about that is that if you have your standards in place, which was point number one, it will help you to make decisions at times like these and so will effective planning. If you have a really good plan in place for your gym workouts, for example, and backup plans, other time slots that you could do your exercise, it might make it easier for you to say yes to your mum and no for you, to yourself in that moment, knowing that you can still achieve your own goals because you have these other time slots penciled in. Or you could stick with your original plan to go to the gym and say to your mum, hey, I've got a gym workout scheduled, it's really important to me, but I really do want to see you. Can we book in another time that we can definitely catch up and I promise you I'll put it in my diary and we'll definitely do it. Can we do that? You can choose either way to go, but the most important thing is that you choose something that feels right and in line with your own values. It could be learning to say no to other people or it could be learning to say no to yourself. And the last one I've got here is the skill of learning not failing. To finish off I want to th say that it's important to get rid of the idea of failing or at least that failing is a bad thing. Every time that something doesn't go to plan there is an important lesson to be learned. When you have the emotional skills that you need to get rid of unnecessary guilt, it's going to be way easier to step back and see the facts and problem solve and discover all of the valuable lessons that failure has given you so that you can do things differently or better next time. This is one of the most challenging areas for some people and it's tied in strongly with guilt. If you can manage all of the areas of guilt and develop those character strengths 
it's going to be way easier for you to accept failure and to see the lessons rather than the consequences. So let me just summarize what we've talked about today when it comes to culting, cultivating self-discipline without, without guilt. Firstly, self-discipline is the act of being able to resist urges, but for a lot of people, as we've said, there's guilt attached. But if you want to be more self-disciplined and feel less guilty, then you'll need to learn how to manage your thinking patterns and emotions. I've mentioned today six skills that you can learn to reduce guilt and to start being kinder to yourself. And five steps and skills that will help you to develop more self-discipline. As you can tell, it's helpful to work with a coach on these things in tandem so that you can get the empathy and professional support and accountability, planning support and big picture thinking that you need to develop your own self-accountability, confidence and success in the areas of self-discipline and reducing guilt. It's much easier to do these things with help than it is on your own, especially when you're navigating that self-judgment and self-criticism. You really need to be able to step outside that and get a bigger picture scenario so that you can take action. If you'd like to find out about working with a coach, visit my website www.melaniejwhite.com and visit my contact page. Shoot me an email to inquire about coaching with me or with somebody that I know. I could definitely recommend somebody that would be a good fit for you if you think I'm not the right person for you. Anyway, that's it from me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you can think of some ways that you can start reducing guilt and cultivating self-discipline. See if you can find time this week to practice or reflect on some of the skills that you can develop so that you can become better at both of those things. All right, I'll see you next time and bye for now.